Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved, from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Knit British is delighted to be sponsored by our woolly mucker, Emma Goodlid. Emma is Hosset on Ravelry and Good Lass Handicrafts on Instagram and Etsy and Facebook. Emma doesn't have anything on the needles just now as she is exploring her Shetland roots through Fair Isle chart design. We'll talk a little bit about Shetland knitting later in the show, but thanks to Emma for sponsoring the Knit British podcast this week. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Knit British podcast. I hope you enjoyed the wee break we had over the last couple of weeks. I certainly did, but boy, I was busy. Um, If you follow me on social media, you'll know that the secret location that I talked about last time on the podcast was Uist. Last week I was in Uist and paid a flying visit to Uist Wool. And while it was only fleeting, the trip has made a lasting impression on me. And it was incredible talking to the director of Eustwell, Dana McPhee, and mill manager Hazel and the mill staff. And seeing the work that they do there, I got quite a lot of recording done. And so there will be quite a lot of editing to do as well. And I'm planning to bring you that episode Uh, a bit later uh, in the summer, so you'll have to be a little bit patient, but I promise that it will be worth the wait. Uh, But I'll talk a very little bit about Uist Wool later in this episode, but thanks to everyone there who made me feel so incredibly welcome. Your hospitality was incredible. Thanks also to those of you who gave feedback on the last episode and on the interview with Alison Main, uh, who was our woolly mucker, and Shona McClellan. Uh, We talked about LSK Gansey and I'm so glad that so many of you got to see the documentary that I linked to last time about Mary Bell and the Pope's Gansey. Uh, someone in the Knit British group posted a link to the documentary on YouTube too in case it's now gone from iPlayer so seek that out if you if you still to watch it. I know uh, the interviews and the things that we talked about last episode were things that really resonated with a lot of you so thank you very much for taking the time uh, to tell us that. On with today's show, so grab a whip, grab a drink, and let's get cracking. So, you might remember a while ago that I talked about an article that I was writing for Knitting Magazine. I wrote for their British issue last year and was really delighted to be asked to write again this year and I wanted to write about the incredible work that's being done by you know really small scale wool businesses and passionate individuals who are taking such big steps with British wool and you know creating yarns that really speak of where they've come from but speak of those individuals understanding and businesses understanding of what we the knitter are really looking for. Uh, I posted at that time 
as a bit of research on Instagram asking you what you guys loved about British Wool and these small batch wools, these small scale businesses, um, very micro businesses, people working from their kitchen tables really. And you commented so passionately that I promised to do a podcast to tie in with this issue coming out and that issue of knitting magazine is out now and there's quite a lot of British focus including a gorgeous sweater pattern by Frankie Hughes on the cover and John Arbin's new Devonia DK yarn humana 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 it's gorgeous yeah really good some really good features and all centering on British wool or um British wool businesses, so definitely one to, to have a look for yourselves. Um, I'd originally asked you on Instagram why you seek out small production yarns and what is it about those yarns that and those often unique blends that, that you love. And there were over 60 comments, and bear with me while I also uh, wangle that, the, the tablet while I'm talking to you. Top amongst your answers were unique characteristics of wool. Uh, something that speaks of the varieties of the sheep breeds in the UK and some of the commenters on that were people like Frankie Hughes uh, who said as well as the amazing crunch, character and natural tones of British wools, I think it's important to use all the rare breeds and lesser known fibres to keep them alive. And that also helps keep them away from mass production and over usage of one particular fibre at a time, which may become of a lesser quality as the, the demand goes up. And she says, I'm thinking currently of Merino as the high streets have hopped onto wool. She says, I don't know if my opinion is sustainable, but I love using all the wools. And so, you know, so do we. We're wool explorers. We love to discover all the wools. Uh, Mrs. M's Curiosity Cabinet said, I first sought out British wool as it was a logical extension of my attitude to eating local, i.e. relying on local produce as much as possible with a transparent provenance and supply chain. But the more I used British wool for environmental and sustainability reasons, the more I discovered I loved the texture and the colour of of British breed wools and that these are still apparent, enhanced even, when blended by a mill that has a real interest in the end product rather than just volume. I also find many British breeds warmer than many generic 100% superwash wools as certain breed characteristics, textures uh, and the way of spinning definitely contribute to warmth. General observations about merino and alpaca being warmer than most wool don't wash with me. It may be true in principle, but it depends so much on prep, spinning and how hard-wearing the wools actually are. I think British wool is a sensible, sustainable choice for our clothes in a cold, damp climate. So much so that I want to include more woolen items in my sewn wardrobe too. If only there were more weaving mills in the UK who would take out take a leaf out of the natural fibre company John Arbin and the Border Mills book. Also important to our knitting and buying of wool is the connections to the animals themselves. Uh, Victoria Bennett said that it's the connection to the stories. I bought two skeins from a local herd of alpaca, uh, Bobcat Alpaca in Edinburgh. The yarn is spun at the Border Mill. She says, I'd visited these animals, visited the mill, and it feels so special to have had these balls of yarn to work with. 
Streepy One says, it's also about the sheep breeds themselves. They're uniquely adapted to the environment they live in. Many indigenous breeds the world over have been replaced by breeds that produce higher yields in terms of milk or meat or softer yarn, leading to a loss of the genetic diversity and variability. And maintaining these indigenous and local breeds really helps to maintain the variability. Uh, And that's a really important point, I think. And also, she went on to say the fact that the yarn still smells like the sheep (laughs) is a really important connection to her. Clueless Inca says, I love the thought of preserving heritage breeds. It's natural. It still smells faintly of sheep. It makes me more grounded in my knitting to know what I'm holding in my hands. Uh, There were lots of plus points for, for the smell, lots of comments about that. And... With the importance of the animals, that goes hand in hand with connections to the yarn growers and and the landscape as well. Fibre Trek said soulful stories of people of hard work being connected to a particular landscape or place. Uh, Nettle Nan and Nora said, I'm from a, a woolly family, merchants and mill owners, so it keeps me tied to my heritage and supports so many ethical, local-ish businesses. I've just finished a shawl in alpaca yarn direct from the source, and it means so much when you have a connection to the source of your materials. Jenny Reed said, it gives me a sense of place, where I am in relation to the sheep and the farmer. Different breeds are good for different tasks, and it's an adventure trying out different fibres. How It's so true. It is, as again, we're explorers, we're detectives um, in the wool that we use and it's all about finding out what wool is good for which um, particular project or which particular items. And of course, to everyone, it is important to support the small and local business whose understanding of us, their market, is so strong and so much stronger than so many of the larger commercial yarn companies. Ramsey Baggins said, supporting people, not a faceless corporation, and knowing so many indies um, and supporting indies and small businesses the whole way from the sheep to the skein, that's what's, that's what's important to her. And also the fact that there's such an amazing variety of, of wool out there. And Mrs B, the knitter, said, I like that I know exactly where the wool and yarn has come from, supporting local producers, the incredible range of yarns available, and learning more about the animals who provide the fleece. For example, what breeds create what type of yarn. And it, she says, it makes me feel more connected to my craft. Uh, Twist and Draw said, I definitely want to know where the wool has come from wherever possible and I want to support and be part of my local ecosystem and economy. I love the unique feel of each different yarn. Time is taken to think about how best to process it and to spin it to bring out its individual qualities rather than a random blend which simply averages characteristics over large quantities. Time and work and thought and a personal stamp becomes part of each skein and that makes it an extra pleasure to put my time and thought and work into as well as I transform it into something new. I'll link to this particular post on Instagram so you can read through all the comments because they really are worth a read through. You get such a sense of the passion and love that is in the knitting community for small batch, small scale Uh, unique blended wools uh, and indie wool businesses. I also asked on social media if anybody wanted to talk about the connections of their yarns in special projects because as um, Twist and Draw said there, she wants to 
you know, make that special yarn into a special project. And we, we have this emphasis, I think, now where we know that there are these unique blends and we want to team them with something incredibly special too. And so I posed that question and over in the Knit British Ravelry group, there is We Thread, um, which... Uh, is is definitely worth looking and a post in too if you if you want to share about a special finished object in a special indie yarn. Isla Brit Yarn talks about her Mahi shawl by Carrie Westman, knit in Lincoln Longwell from the Risby flock, a pedigree flock um, whose wool is processed spun very locally to Isla in Lincolnshire. Isla uh, bought the wool at the Lincolnshire County Show in 2015 and got the pattern soon after and realised it was a perfect match. And she says the icing on the cake was getting her finished object pictured at Lincoln Castle. Local wool connected to place. It's a wonderful thing, a really wonderful thing. Blythe Spirit, who is Malin, also talked about a special wool and finished object. Um, let me let me read uh, what, what she wrote here. Um, out to you. She said, I love talking to the women from Used Wool at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Their yarn is gorgeous, full of rustic and rich earthy tones and they have lovely colourway names as well which reflect living on the island. I love the backstory of this small business too, how they are trying to reignite the wool industry by using local fleeces. This is the type of small business I like to support. They have a lovely website and are getting very creative with their yarn. Their yarn. A case in point is their lovely Rorscht DK blend. It knits up into a lovely gradient of natural colours. I just finished my nuke with it and it was so wonderful to knit with. The project is extra special because I'll be hiking in Uist in September and this jumper will be coming with me. The mountain on the back of Uist's business postcard, Evil, is what I'll be climbing and I like to think that I might spot some of the sheep that this wool came from while I'm there. That is incredible. Again, just a a beautiful connection between yarn and project and where that's going to take her to, you know, the meaning goes on. And that uh, beautiful yarn that Maylin knit with, I also bought a skein at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Uh, It's called Rorscht. I think I'm saying that right this time. It uh, means springtide in Gaelic and it's an incredible gradient to how that knits up and I knit a cowl in it and I plan on knitting trying out a bit more and and maybe knitting a longer one and who knows I might even do a pattern for it but um, incredible yarn absolutely incredible and also in that thread Victoria Bennett talks about talks about recent shawls in really special yarns Grins Cats talks about um, her love of the Dalton Flock border Leicester yarn and has made an incredible Hika cardigan out of it. Please do dip into this thread and just feel the love for the connections between special projects and incredibly special indie yarns. Feel free to leave your own story there. I'd quite like to come back to this, maybe dip into this thread and talk about it on the podcast more. I think it's so important to seek out these small-scale yarns. You're finding different British wool breeds and blends that you just will not find being spun commercially. And these guys really are making huge steps in keeping this part of the yarn industry in the UK thriving. There are plentiful textures, there are incredible characteristics, there's lots and lots of story too. Uh, last week, when I was in US, I was lucky enough to meet Linda, who's a crofter, and I met her and her black Welsh mountain sheep, uh, and Kurt the ram. Uh, and US will buy Linda's clip. 
And she told me that she specifically picked the Black Welsh Mountain Breed because of their fleece and the feeling that it would make incredible yarn. And Linda's a knitter. She's designed some of the hat patterns that use will use in their kits. <clears throat> and buying sheep for their fleece is incredible, really. And it shows the insight um, into what's going on here, the, the idea that we need to think about sheep's wool as not just a byproduct but as something that can have meaning and value elsewhere and you know by by choosing the flock for fleece characteristics to make a great yarn that's incredible and it's it's amazing for used wool as well because it's one of their incredible showcase yarns and she she also as i say is a knitter so uh, can't wait to get her own yarn on her needles and I saw her get her first skeins and that was a lovely moment though for some reason I only managed to capture a really serious picture <laughs> of her um, with the yarn but it was lovely to see that yarn next to those sheep and you know where the wool came from quite literally sheep to skein and the people involved because I was there with Linda who who owns the sheep and Dana who's the director of the mill it, that was that that's incredible and the cheer wool uh, which is a double knit I'm not quite I'm not sure if it, if there's any of it left actually because I bought some <laughs> but you can have a look at US wool uh, at their website for for that yarn uh, and very many more incredible yarns which I will talk about in future episodes so thank you very much if you shared your stories of special indie yarns and the meaningful knits uh, that manifest themselves in them It's time to meet our woolly mucker, Emma Goodlett. Emma runs a small crafting business. And when I spoke to her last week, she was busy getting ready for upcoming craft shows, um, but gladly had some time to answer our woolly mucker questionnaire. <laughs> okay, let's get going with these questions because okay. I don't want to hold you back um, today. But first of all, I need to ask you, what are you making just now? Do you know, I've actually not got anything on the go just now, <laughs> which is a really good start. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of things I'm just about to start. Um, so I'm going to do a baby's fair isle hat. So I'm just about to start kind of putting together a pattern for that. and Design, Designing one yourself? Um, well, kind of. Using um, a couple of fair isle books I've got and um, just kind of putting together the patterns I like together. So That's awesome. Yeah, so I really enjoy doing that. And I've just started doing that kind of recently. But it's nice to be able to do that, to kind of pick and choose the bits you like and rather than following kind of a set pattern. Definitely, because it puts your own stamp on it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, yeah, really looking forward to doing that. What are you um, going to knit it in, do you think? I'm going to knit it in uh, Jameson's Spindrift, I think. I um, really, really like the Jameson's wool. So I'm going to do it in that. But I might do, I've got some really nice Uradale colours as well. So I'm, That's lovely stuff. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking I might do, because the stuff I've got from them is much more bright um, colours. So I might do some, some uh, maybe another one in their colours as well. Oh, that's exciting. So do you think you might release the pattern when you're finished? 
Um, I don't know. It's something I've kind of been thinking about. I think I would need to do it a few times but to make sure that I was confident with it because I've never, um, I just chart, um, so I've never written a pattern. So I'd have to work out if I was able to actually do it in a sensible format that anybody else can understand. So... <laughs> You never know. You yeah. never know. Okay, well, let's get to this first question then sure. about what was the first thing that you remember knitting and what was the last thing that you cast off? Um, well, the first thing I properly knitted, um, I'd, I, prop, I, I say properly knitted, I properly started knitting and stuck with it. Um, about two and a half years ago but before that I think I remember my mum trying to knit me knit me no uh, <laughs> teach me to knit at uh, some point um, when I was a teenager and I never stuck to it and then great auntie Jessie um, who is from Shetland um, tried to teach me to knit at some point as well but she did it with a macking belt and I remember finding that really difficult so I never stuck at it because I didn't have the materials either to to stick at it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, but I properly kind of started knitting, stuck to it a couple of years ago, and I um, just did the kind of classic thing of knitting um, kind of granny squares, and I did them in um, I did different stitches and things like that, trying to learn different things and make them into kind of uh, knitted baby's building blocks um which didn't actually wow. get sewn up until this past Christmas um for my second lot of nieces and nephews that were born last year um so yeah so and then after that I knitted baby blanket for my niece that was born last January and then I had this completely mad idea that even though that was all I'd knitted that I would knit a lace hat so <laughs> I did that, but it did take me like over six months to complete. So. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's really awesome, though. So like taking your learning journey of trying different stitches and everything, and then making that into building blocks for for somebody else. That's quite a, quite a nice thing. But was the the lace for you? Um, no, that was for um, that was for my niece as well. Because um, I thought. Um, the more I learned about knitting and the more I became interested in um, knitting and my Shetland heritage and how the two were linked together, um, I was really interested in the the uh, traditional lace uh, christening shawls and um, I thought it'd be a really nice thing um, to knit and to um, give to my sister for her daughter. Um, but um, it was six months late, so Anna didn't get it until she was six months old. But um, <laughs> so it's not had the most use, but it looks very nice um, draped over a chair <laughs> in their house. Yes. Well, yeah, and then, you know, you never know, her children will have it. And it's one of yeah. those heritage items. Fingers crossed, because that's kind of what I was thinking when I knitted it. It would be nice if it became a bit of an heirloom um, that kind of passed down our heritage because they live out in New Zealand as well. I thought that would wow. be kind of a nice thing for them to have as well yeah that's lovely that's it. but what was the first thing you knitted for yourself then well I don't knit a lot for myself actually do you know um I actually started the Semper Vivum shawl by Jared Flood um, right um just before Christmas last year actually I started it with the aim to have tried to 
um, finish it for um, Edinburgh Yarn Festival so that I could go in and, and have it on and show him. <laughs> <laughs> but that just never happened. I got caught up in, and knitted other things for other people again. And then I got caught up sewing for a while as well. So knitting took a bit of a back step. So I've still not finished that, but I did. The last thing I cast off was I finally got around to knitting the Babel hats um, by Donna Smith. Nice. Um, so finally, having had the pattern for two years, finally knitted it um, just a few weeks ago and cast it off and wore it last week. So Brilliant. Yeah, I remember seeing that on your Instagram. Did you yes. do it in the original colours as well? Um, Close to the original colours. So I did it in the um, Jameson's um, Heather Aaron um, and I did it in slightly different colorways, although it looked quite similar to the kind of original. Um, so, but I did it in, um, I really liked the green that I picked. It was one called Pippin and it's really nice. It looks, um, so it's not just kind of a flat green, it's got like flecks of orange and browns in it as well. So it actually looks really grassy, which is really nice. So now next you'll need to do the curl and the mitts and the get the whole shebang. Yeah, well, I got those in the, um, you're in the Knit British, the small pattern um, or the pattern gift just before Christmas. Oh, yes. Um, that was the one that I got in return from uh, my partner. So, um, yes, I'm going to get on to knitting them next. <laughs> Brilliant. So, even though you're quite a new knitter or, you know, in the last couple of years, do you have a pattern and a yarn, which you don't necessarily need to use together, but that you would, you would like to tell other people about and you know urge other people to use or knit yeah um well I um a couple of things the two I've done two lace haps now and I loved absolutely loved knitting both of those and they were both done in different ways so the first one I did last year was the Brora cobweb um shawl that you get the pattern from Jameson and Smith and it's really really nice um but it's quite an intricate pattern it's made up mostly of kind of tree of life um motifs so it's quite intricate and it's done slightly differently from the kind of traditional haps with the square center so you knit it from the outside in and it's just in the four quarters um but you knit it circular so it's huge when you start I think it's something ridiculous like um, 800 and almost 900 stitches you have cast on it once you've done the lace edge. Wow! So it's a bit crazy but it's really nice once it's done and when, once you get to the middle it's really exciting as well because it's so much quicker because <laughs> you've got so few stitches so that was a really it was a really nice pattern to knit actually. That's, it's incredibly intricate if I can remember as well yeah. and it is the, the proper cobweb weight. Yes it is. The, 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 the weight of yarn that scares so many knitters. <laughs> and I have to say when I received it it was terrifying when I because I bought the kits and the kit came through and I opened it and I remember taking out the um the yarn and looking at it and going oh my god it's just thread it's not (laughs) (laughs) and um and I thought I remember thinking oh well it's okay my auntie Jessie will help she's from Shetland she's surely able to give me some tips and she visited me I think like the day after that I got the kit or something and she saw it and went oh god don't ask me for help (laughs) She was just like, that lace just goes on and on and on and on and on. And she she went on for ages telling me about that and how I should really not go to her for any help. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but then, yeah. is, is she a Shetland knitter, though, who can knit from patterns? Because there's so many Shetland knitters whose patterns are in their heads. Yeah, I think she's a bit of that. But actually, do you know, I was speaking to her a month or so ago, and actually, I was basically just picking her brain and asking her about her knitting history and, and basically trying to find out a bit about what knitting means to her. And actually, she it turns out she wasn't the biggest knitter um, of her family. Actually, my granny was the biggest knitter in the family. But my aunt Jessie, she tended to just knit. Um, so when she was young, she said that she knitted a bit for profit, but basically just to be able to get her pocket money. Um, so she only did it kind of as and when she fancied and did a bit of Fair Isle. But, and she's done one lace hap when her son was born, I think. So she might have done two, I can't remember, but um, definitely one. Latterly, she, unfortunately, she's not able to knit anymore because of her arthritis. But um, she was really just knitting things like little baby cardigans and socks and stuff that she did through her church group um to be um sent away to people in need so um so actually I think she is a pattern user um, uh-huh. I think um for the more intricate things so yeah so that was really interesting because I kind wow. of assumed that because she was from Shetland and she knitted that you know obviously I thought she would be able to do um give me advice on that but <laughs> Yeah, so... It, so you just had to go on with it, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> thankfully, my mother-in-law had uh, knitted one before, so she was able to help me out with some of it, which was uh, really helpful. Um, but, yeah, I had thought it would be my great-auntie um, that would be able to give me the best advice, but apparently not. So... <laughs> <laughs> What was the other hat that you knitted then? Um, so the other one I did was I've got it. Hang on, I always give it the wrong name. So it's the string of shawl that from that you get from Jameson's. Although I got it at Edinburgh Yarn Festival last year because my eldest sister um, was pregnant with her second baby. So I thought, well, I've done one for the last baby, or I was still in the process of it at that point. But I was like, I'll do another one, um, but I'll do a slightly different one. So the string of shawl was really lovely to knit as well so I mean and that's knitted in the more traditional way that you do the four quarters and then you do the square in the middle so yeah and it's really it's such a nice pattern to knit and it has lots of different kind of lace motifs as well which is nice um and it's nice to do something a little bit different as well so it is supposed to be knitted in the uh, Jameson's Ultra Yarn and I, I'd bought again bought a kit at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and got loads and I'd got their really nice um the orange I think it's called Sunburst which is gorgeous but then I actually came across Shopalwalla I found their lace weight and it was in a self um, kind of striping rainbow um, oh. and my sister loves really colourful things so um, I kind of went against the grain and didn't use Jameson's Ultra for it and I used the Shopalwalla but um, that it turned out really nicely actually in that um, I have to say so. So are those the are the yarns you used also the yarns that you would encourage others to, to use or do you have other yarns that are special? Um, probably the yarns that I would recommend people using like those yarns are great and I have to say my favourite yarn at the moment is Jameson's Ultra I'm really loving knitting with that at the moment it knits up really really nicely um, especially for the, the colours are incredible yes I absolutely love Jameson's colours honestly I was like in heaven when I went into Jameson's <laughs> 
um, when we were in Shetland because the last time I was in Shetland I wasn't a knitter so I never went in so <laughs> it, this was my first proper trip to Jameson's and it was just incredible um, and colours I just I could have bought everything in the shop but um, you know I don't think my um, credit card or my husband would have thanked me for that so um, so yeah I really love the ultra that they do it's really nice um when you're knitting kind of more fine things but the other one as well is actually like Aradale's yarns are really nice jumper weight I love knitting with that as well so and what I didn't realize was that I'd been knitting with Aradale for a while because they actually supply Shetland Organics yes so I'd bought some Shetland Organics jumper weight and then when I was speaking to Sue and Ronnie when we went to visit they um said oh actually that's our yarn so um yeah, so I mean, if you buy it from Shetland Organics or Aradale, you know, um, I would definitely recommend their jumper weight. It's really nice to knit with, and it's organic as well, which is really nice. It's wonderful. So yes, yeah. um, it's quite difficult to come across organic yarn. So, um, yeah, so it's really nice. Um, so those are the two. Oh, that's amazing! I'm actually knitting with the Aradale jumper weight just now. I decided that I would use it for the the background colour on my Busta Beanie. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Well, you'll have to post pictures of it because I want to see that. Yeah. So you're Hossa on Ravelry and you're, you're Good Last Handicrafts on Instagram. Is that the same on Twitter? Um, so it's Good Last Crafts on Twitter because um, Twitter didn't let me have enough uh, characters. <laughs> <laughs> and also your website as well. Is it a blog or is it Etsy shop? Or... Um, an Etsy shop. I am kind of thinking about starting a blog um, about my knitting and kind of learning more about kind of my about Shetland knitting and things like yes. that. So, but I don't know where and how I'm going to blog about that because um, I just haven't got around to it. So. <laughs> Uh, that's wonderful thank you so much emma i really no appreciate it. i really appreciate you you know sponsoring it british and, and oh, it's really supporting. nice to be able to do it um because um i just i suppose i want to say thank you to you as well because it's one of the things that um i found just so helpful and so interesting listening to knit british and hearing about all the different british yarns because I, I you know i didn't know that much about british yarns until i started listening to it so it's really nice to be able to to find out more and, and learn and, and hear from everybody as well. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Louise. I'm sure you'll agree that it would be wonderful to read about Emma's journey into her Shetland knitting heritage and hopefully she will give us a yell when she starts that blog. I think it would be incredibly interesting. And again, like Alison last time, Emma is quite a recent convert to knitting, but going for gusto with the techniques um, fine lace, really incredible and what an awesome challenge that knitting can give us to try and knit an item that's that's part of our heritage and then making that for someone so knitworthy. That's, that's amazing. Thank you so much Emma for taking the time to chat with me and thank you so much for sponsoring the Knit British Podcast. Claire Devine has a new collection out and it's called From Dorset with Love. And of course, ever since I started to write this piece, I've been singing From Dorset with Love to the tune of From Russia with Love. <laughs> 
if you follow Claire on Instagram, you will have seen you will have seen sneaky peeps from this collection. Claire went on a trip to Dorset two years ago and that road trip left a massive lasting impact on her so much that inspired a collection of six designs which will be dropped like pennies from heaven over the next couple of weeks. Already there is lovely Lulworth Cove hat, a lovely deep brimmed with fantastic rich texture on the body and there is also the Swire's Head mitts knit in beautiful phileous yarns. There will be three more accessories to come and Claire's first garment pattern. That is super exciting. Of course, it's Claire, so beautifully laid out, so easy to read and follow, really great when it comes to to layout. I, I just love how Claire sets out a pattern. You can also rely on Claire for incredible interest in her designs that just really keep you going. You know, whether it's texture or structured stitches or just in Claire's designs there's just always something that keeps your interest and that is so important. The photography around Dorset and the the photographs of the finished items are just lovely and as is the beautiful preface of the inspiration uh, to each pattern. This is lovely when we're talking about about the importance of place um, in in wool earlier, the importance of place and inspiration in these designs is just a lovely, lovely thing. Uh, from Dorset with Love is an ebook. It costs seventeen pounds. You can buy it right away. Uh, you'll get those patterns that have already dropped, and then the other patterns as they as they are released. They're also available as single patterns as well, which is really good. And Claire, being so lovely and generous as she is, has given us an ebook to give away. So if you would like to be in with the chance of winning this incredible collection and the chance to own and knit Claire's first garment design, very exciting indeed, head on over to the Ravelry group and enter. All the info is there. Thank you, Claire, for such a lovely giveaway and congrats on a gorgeous collection. That is about all for this episode. I just want to take a moment to say hello to those of you who stopped by the Knit British um, Hello thread recently in the Knit British Ravelry group. Hello to Mucker35, MJ96, Wooly Ellie, Atlasphere and Dr Saz Mac and to everyone who joined the group recently. It's, it's an awesome little group there. I'll be back next week. Next week with Remakery News, another giveaway and some dates for your diary. Until then, take good care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British Podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British and I'm on Ravelry as Lyra. Take care of that throat. You're a big singing star now. Man, record.